Well, if you have closed the Bibles, would you open them up again at Mark's Gospel? And we're, as you know, we're in chapter 6. We're looking at this together today. That's on page 841. Even after all this time reading Mark, or even after all this time as a Christian, could you have misunderstood Jesus and his real mission? I mean, this whole episode in Mark's Gospel shows us that even Jesus' closest companions, those in the boat with him, even the twelve disciples were deeply, deeply confused. Look at verse 51 here, on page 842. Verse 51. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. What had just happened? Well, 5,000 men, not to count women and children, had been miraculously given a simple meal out of a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Surely it's the highest point in Mark so far, more than just an important miracle. And you probably know this is the only miracle that all four of the Gospel writers talk about. The feeding of the 5,000. And then just after that, Jesus again miraculously walks across a body of water, across this lake, towards their boat, and then gets in. And, and yet there's an awkwardness, a sort of a jarring end when we get to chapter, the end of this chapter. Mark looks back and tells us in that verse we just looked at. Their amazement wasn't just excited amazement or delighted surprise. It was because they didn't get it. It was because they hadn't understood about the loaves. And then that comment, their hearts were hardened. So for the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, it was amazement tied up with deep failure. Failure to see who Jesus really was after all that time, after all he'd been doing. And so it's probably a fair question for us too. Could I have failed all this time to see who Jesus really is? I mean, the main thing Jesus came to do. Well, as we go back over these incidents in chapter 6, there's really a big picture being painted here by Mark. He seems to be showing us something extremely important about Jesus. Something we will need to be clear about. Well, what is it? What's the big thing about Jesus from these incidents? Well, as you think about that, what's, I want you to notice something very, very striking from the first couple of verses back on page 841 that Kay read to us. Have a look. Something very striking here. Verse 31, and he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mark describes Jesus' great compassion for the people. And it was compassion because of something, because of their condition. 
because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And those who would have heard or read Mark for the very first time would have understood this kind of language because it's strongly evoking God's promise through the prophets years ago in a passage that Kay read for us before Mark, a passage that talks about God's promise to provide a rescue, a rescuing leadership for his shepherdless people. Now, there have been lots of shepherds throughout the people's history, leaders of the people. But the problem, as Ezekiel had written about, was that most of these shepherds didn't actually care about the people. And we've just read last week about one of them, one of these leaders, Herod, a man who had killed John the Baptist just to save his own skin, to save his own reputation with dinner guests. So shepherds that had led God's people had not provided the kind of protection that they should have been provided. And so Ezekiel stepped up and he wrote that God himself declared that God would come and rescue people who have been scattered without leaders. Just have a look at those verses and, and Greg will put them up here for us. Oliver, thank you. From Ezekiel 34. Uh, verse 11 says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among, among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And look at this. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and, and thick darkness. And then we're going to skip ahead just in that passage. Look at verse 22. I will rescue my flock, God says. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Remember, this is written after King David, so it's looking forward to another servant David. And then verse 24, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. That's a wonderful promise. And even in this language at the start here, Jesus seems to be picking it up. And as these crowds rush towards them, and they haven't had a break, Jesus has called them away to somewhere quiet. But Mark tells us Jesus had compassion on them because of their condition. Scattered, wandering, prey, hungry, utterly needy. Now I want you to stop and think for a moment about how the Bible presents what we're like, human beings. Because this is very, very close to what the Bible says about it, the human condition. The Bible's perspective on us. Because biblically speaking, people are not able to make it by themselves. That's what the Bible says. We're not strong enough to dig ourselves out. Um, I like the movie, The Help. I'm not sure if you've ever watched that. Well, in The Help, there's a compassionate and loving maid, and she quite poignantly tells a little girl, she says to her, you is kind, you is strong, you is important. Do you remember the movie? And she tells her this. And that might be true, but the bigger truth is that despite all our wonderful traits and, and potentials, human beings are broken and needy and lost people. See, the Bible's message is that people are sinners, separated from God. And no matter how much self-help we've engaged in, we're so deeply fallen and twisted 
that we don't have what it takes to get out of that predicament. There's a, a verse in, in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes. God made man upright, but he's gone about his many schemes. We're so twisted. And that's why the psalm writer in Psalm 40 talks about waiting patiently for the Lord who dragged him out of the miry bog because he couldn't do it himself. That's the Bible's perspective on what we're like. There's a lot of optimism around in the 21st century. You've probably drank it in or noticed it. We have so many strengths and abilities and gifts, whatever you call it. But perhaps that's masked what eventually we come to find out, that we're all desperately needy. And worse still, the fact that we feel so strong may have meant that when we've looked at Jesus or read Mark's gospel, we feel like we don't need him. Not really need him. And we read Mark and so we can often miss the big picture of who Jesus is and why he came. Jesus is compassion and our condition. Well, reading all of these verses, Mark shows us that the compassion of Jesus steps up before these hungry people as their rescuer. Um, have a look at um, this, the feeding of the 5,000. And if I could ask you to do this, but I'm not going to, I would tell you to take your pen and cross out that little title in your Bible because it's not inspired. It's not the Word of God. Those little titles. Now, don't do it. You don't have to. Um, these are brand new. They wouldn't want to do that. But <laughs> if you have your own Bible, take a line and put it through the feeding of the 5,000. And I want you to write this instead. Jesus is the rescuer. At least write it in your mind. Jesus is the rescuer. Because often we've taken this story and we've separated from the context. And we often tell children this story. And I have a few ladybird books at home that have Jesus feeds the 5,000. Or a little picture book. And we separate it from this context as a lovely story about Jesus. But what is Mark really saying? And helping us to see about Jesus. Well, have a look from verse 35. And when it grew late, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate. And were satisfied. And they took up twelve basketful of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Well, notice a few things here. You know, it's a desolate place. That word is repeated as it's desolate. It's a remote place, a wilderness, if you like, verse 35. And now it's filled with this huge crowd of needy people, late in the day, hungry, hangry, maybe. And verse 37, Jesus asks the disciples to feed the people. Maybe they're the hungry ones, verse 37. Their reply is exasperated. That's expensive. How could we? And then Jesus tells them what to do. And by verse 42, 
Everyone has eaten. Everybody. They're satisfied. Look at that word. And there's basketfuls of leftovers. Now, it might not be so obvious to us, but first century Jews, they would have understood that the greatest thing that God had done for them was to rescue them from slavery in Egypt. That was the defining moment in their history. God rescuing his people from Egypt, doing something that only God could do. Huge, miraculous proportion, bringing the people out of Egypt. And God did all of this, and even miraculously parted the Red Sea so they could escape the Egyptian army in chase. And then having been rescued, we read of God's amazing provision continuing in the desert where the people ate manna, a food that God provided for them each morning. Huge proportions, large-scale miracle, God providing for his people. And these events, of course, first-century Jews would have recalled every year in the Passover celebrations, retelling God's faithful rescue of his people, now awaiting that Messiah with their, uh, their prophecy in hand about looking forward to the shepherd when God himself would rescue his flock. And so Mark is showing us that as Jesus teaches the closest followers, his 12 disciples, he's revealing himself in these powerful miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, and then stepping across the water. Jesus is being revealed as God's ultimate rescuer. God's rescuing of the scattered, hungry, needy people. And it's underway in this wilderness. Did you notice even the detail Mark uses Verse 39, the green grass. How did a desolate wilderness have green grass? As the Lord provides a rescue. And the mighty, the beloved, as we've seen in Mark's gospel, the Lord, the Son of God, the stronger one that John the Baptist pointed to, the one with authority over nature and evil and sickness and death, Jesus Christ. And here's something to watch in the text. You see, remember in the previous miracles that Jesus did, there's often an astonishment response. Whoa, look what Jesus has done. But it's not here. Mark doesn't tell us. He doesn't tell us that the people even were aware of what had just happened. It is striking, isn't it? There's no comment. And the people were wowed by what had just gone on in front of them. We don't see that at all. Because their response is not the focus of Mark. Instead, it's Jesus, the one enacting God's amazing rescue of his people. He's the one that's coming into focus. And then as Jesus emerges into the center of the picture as the rescuer, some people still have blurry eyes. What must they have thought as they served? Do you ever think about what they thought as they served the people? They, they, they took this, this small amount of food and saw it spread amongst all these people. And then picked up the leftovers. What must have been going through their minds? Well, we're about to find out in a way. So Jesus is the rescuer. But were they recognizing Jesus as the rescuer? Look from verse 45. Immediately, and this marker immediately comes up in Mark a lot. He's taking us to the next episode. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. So the satisfied crowd goes home. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. 
and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, so between 3 and 6 a.m., he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astonished. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. So the people who are responding to the feeding of this huge crowd are the disciples themselves. And Mark helps us look back. They did not understand about the loaves, even as Jesus walked towards them on the water. And such a dramatic miracle. Echoing that earlier canon of the storm that we looked at. And many commentators rightly see Exodus images here too. We can see the defining moments of the Old Testament being replayed here. Jesus walking on the water of the lake. A miracle of, of proportions like those freed Israelites. Dramatically walking through the parted Red Sea. Like the disciples, you and I still may not see. Amazement can so quickly be misunderstanding or explaining it away a different way or just putting it in a children's book. And that can quickly turn to hardening, even with the best will in the world. Now notice in the text that after another short description of, uh, there's people from verse 53 onwards and, and they run to Jesus they recognize him, verse 54, and they began to bring the sick people to him. And what are they here to do? They're here to touch the garment, the, the, the hem of his garment. And, and the chapter ends, verse 55. Ironically, the people do recognize who Jesus is, but not as Mark has been revealing him. It's, it's so interesting, isn't it? So why are they running up to Jesus? They're looking for a healing. They're not seeing him as Mark is trying to show us, as the rescuer, as God's big rescue plan for his people. They want to touch him and be healed. Maybe not quite getting his true identity. You see, Mark wants us to see this as a kind of failure here at the end of chapter 6. Because there's more to Jesus than the healer. Yes, and we sign it. He is healer, but he's mighty in power. And this is God's solution to the human predicament, right here in this man. There's also, as we've said, some irony in the way we retell this miracle. I mean, I read some bizarre ways of explaining this. It's about people getting full up, or one big shared picnic. You know, the people were inspired by the disciples sharing their food, and so they opened their boxes and shared theirs too. Absolutely bizarre the way some people have tried to, to deal with this miracle happening that Mark has recorded. And we too might easily leave with a surface understanding of who Jesus is, but Mark might be warning us just how easy it is to misunderstand Jesus and not see the main reason, the big picture, as he steps into history as God's ultimate shepherd rescuer, now, there's a real kind of, I know there's flu doing the rounds, and I'm sorry if you've succumbed to it, but in Christian circles, there's a kind of misunderstanding 
epidemic doing the rounds, and there's no shot for it. There's no injection you can get. There's sort of popular strains of a kind of misunderstanding. Here's a couple of them to beware of. The first one, storybook Jesus. We've mentioned this. You know, Jesus provides a huge feast. It sadly only lasts until the stomachs are empty again. Storybook Jesus. Or there, there's religious Jesus. He's the, the leader. This is the RE textbook one. He's the leader of a huge new movement called Christianity, teaching people to be nice and to share their food and inspiring them just like a first century Mandela or Gandhi or Churchill. So that's religious Jesus. And these are so misunderstanding the big picture. And the third one even gets close but isn't there. Healer Jesus. He's here to heal my sickness. And yet that's not what's being revealed to us on the pages of, of the Bible. The disciples haven't got it yet. The big theme of these miracles, we mustn't miss the big thing, is that Jesus is God's ultimate rescuer. Just as that big event in the Old Testament was rescued from slavery, so the big event in the New Testament is in fact the culmination of the entire Bible storyline. Rescue for needy, shepherdless, hungry people like you and me. From the most terrible of conditions called sin. So as we hear this feeding of the 5,000, and even maybe the Christmas story, or as we hear bits of the Christian message, or see pictures in the art galleries of episodes from, from the Bible, most times we could end up missing the context. And, and the biggest danger, as I see it, is how the Bible is being read and, and trivialized, sanitized, to fit in with the way we want to see Jesus, rather than the way that the Bible presents him, the way he is, the way he was. And instead of seeing this unfolding revelation of God and his purposes, saving me from sin and eternal death and hell, we see Jesus just as fitting in with us. The feeding of the 5,000 isn't Jesus making me fool so much as Jesus revealed as God's rescuer, fulfilling promises to save a wandering people. And you know, there are hundreds of mentions. If you, if you flick through your Bible, there's something very serious called God's wrath against people who want to rule lives their own way, who want to go it alone, who want to take their, their lives and just do what they want. Well, the Bible talks about God's wrath and Mark's going to go on in his gospel, his good news, to show that Jesus will go and die on a cross, explaining that he must die and be raised to life to rescue his people. Maybe you have dismissed Jesus up till now. Um, I saw a film a couple of years ago, another film, called Hacksaw Ridge. And some of you will have seen it. Some of you won't have the stomach for it, and I don't recommend it um, necessarily. It is quite gory. But there was one soldier in that film, and if you've seen it, you'll know this. One soldier who refused to hold a weapon. And everyone just thought he was a coward. That guy wouldn't even hold a gun. Until after one horrific battle in the middle of wartime, he's beside them, turning up as their rescuer. They got him completely wrong. So as we see our condition, as the Bible explains it, as we are, and then meet and see the compassionate rescuer. Perhaps we'll have to reevaluate Jesus and see him for who he is. And there's a way to do this. All we can do is before God just admit that we're in need of that rescue. 
Jesus himself said in Mark 1, repent, turn around, believe this good news. Or perhaps as a Christian you have seen this for many years and you're still seeing it. Well, maybe you'll want to give thanks. Uh, there's a song that the musicians are going to sing for us and it has these lines in it. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. I saw a competition in one of the, um, one of the, the media outlets to see, for people to send in pictures on the theme of brokenness. Well, I could just as easily have taken out my phone and taken a selfie. There's brokenness. But the Bible's answer is Jesus the rescuer. Will we see him and will we thank God again if we've understood and seen that big picture? Jesus the rescuer. Um, one person I once heard them say about the minutes after they finally got it about Jesus and they were cycling away from a church building and they felt and they described it a deep, overwhelming joy. And at the same time, the tears were rolling down their face, wondering that they'd never understood it before now. Well, I hope that that's you today getting the big picture and seeing the relief of being and knowing the rescuer. But let's take a moment to be quiet and then we'll ask the musicians to lead us.